Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of Stationary Freaks with myself, Rob Lambert, and of course... Oh, with me, Helen Lazowski. And today we have a very, very special guest. I joked beforehand about being in the presence of stationary royalty. We have Amy from Mark and Fold. Hi, Amy. Hello, Rob. Very nice to be here. Indeed, and we're gonna we're gonna jump into all things Mark and Fold. And if you've not heard of Mark and Fold, then you probably haven't listened to enough of our podcasts because <laughs> pretty much there isn't an episode that goes by where we don't mention the wonderful products that Amy and the team at Mark and Fold create. But we'll jump into that in a minute. Before we do, we always start our shows with stationary stories. So, Helen, over to you. What's occupying your stationary world? Do you know? I really wish you hadn't asked me that. I've um, I've kind of got, I've gone on a Hobonichi-driven spending spree, and spree is the answer. I have bought all the stickers, all the stickers in the whole world, I think. It's just, I've been on Etsy, Vinted, Amazon twice, three times. I just can't stop. I'm so afraid of switching from bullet journaling to this Hobonichi system that I've kind of, I'm building myself a safety mat of, enough stickers to bury myself I think. Deary me Helen and uh, you messaged me on WhatsApp to say that even your husband has now noticed and that must be epic epic levels for you to. <laughs> yeah for me to crack his sort of attention with you know it's like is that it's more parcels it's more stickers yeah he's noticed and um, yeah it's it's been all the stickers in the whole world I just don't I'm overthinking I know, really tough to imagine, isn't it, Rob? Me, overthinking. Mm -hmm. I'm overthinking how I'm going to handle every little thing with this new system, which is, should be should be so similar to my old one, right? It really shouldn't be that much different. But, uh, I mean, I've even bought myself another notepad to go with the Hobonichi um, so that I've got the diary thing, and then I've got this other one for all the things that won't fit in that diary thing. And then the other one needed a cover, and then I realised that the Hobonichi didn't have a cover, so that's got to, and it's just, it's like, I just can't stop. <laughs> they've, they've got you. They've sucked you into the Hobonichi uh, world. It's so true. I'm drowning mm. in stationery. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a joy to open the post these days, but even so, I mean, I, you know, there's guilt creeping in, even for me. Well, there has to be a level, doesn't there? You know, remortgage the house, and, you know, it's probably, is that the limit, is it? <laughs> yeah, again, yes, for the stationery habit. <laughs> Nice. We're going to do a dedicated episode, aren't we, on the Hobonichi, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, although we've got some Christmas goodness uh, coming your way as well. Amy, it must be wonderful to have access to the whole of the Mark and Fold product range, but do you buy other people's stuff? What's on your stationary story this week? I do buy other people's stuff. It's funny, you'd think that having designed my perfect notebook and having hundreds of, a lifetime supply of them that I would stop, but actually the thing of going and choosing stationery sort of doesn't go away. Yeah. Um, and people don't buy me notebooks because they assume that I don't want them or maybe, they're, <laughs> maybe they're, they're not brave enough to try and get the right one or something. So um, I bought one recently and I don't know, I actually don't know who it's by, which is a bit embarrassing, but it's like a black and white, it's got a kind of fleck pattern and then they've put the same pattern around the edge of the book like edge painting which is a technique that I quite like that we've never actually used and I bought it for my summer holiday because I wanted to go away I wanted to take something with me to write in while I was on the beach and for it not to look like work <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and yeah it's for it to just feel like something different but I mean I appreciate I love book binding and I love all the like thousands of different ways you can make a book and all the different materials and formats and finishes and things and there's no way that we could afford to make everything that's in my head <laughs> so it's quite nice to go and just pick something up the ease of it because I mean I love smart and fold notebooks but every time I look at one I'm aware of all the work that's gone into it and all the kind of boring spreadsheets I have to say of working out what's going to cost and how many we're going to make and that kind of thing and so there's something quite nice about just going into a shop and picking one up and going oh I'll have that one uh, yeah. So, so yeah that was my most recent non-mark and fold purchase nice it must be really good as well I mean we'll get into this in the show but um sort of buying lots of other stuff and then taking the best of everything the things that really work and trying to weave them into your own product must be actually really kind of exciting um yeah we'll maybe talk about that in a bit you know, I've had a bit of a fail stationary story. You know, this is me wanting to spend money, actually wanting to part with some cash and not being able to get what I want. But have you ever heard of Alwich Notebooks? No. No. Hmm. Well, I stumbled across, um, you've probably heard of Michael Palin. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. 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 The ex-Monty Python traveller. Um, and he always used Ulwich notebooks, and I stumbled across a YouTube video, a very short one of him explaining with all of his, you know, the history of all these notebooks, all the places he's visited, all these notes that he's got on um, all his travels. And I went to the Ulwich website, which is, seems to be the only place you can buy these notebooks, and they're completely sold out. So as much as I wanted to part with cash, I haven't. So that's a bit of a disappointing stationary story. But those will be on my list, and I don't think there's a newsletter. I'm not sure how I can stay in touch to find out when they are back in stock, but I will be buying some of them when they're back. Does the fact they're out of stock make you want them a little bit more? Um, <laughs> you, oh, that's a good question. I don't know whether it does. I think I'm just a bit more frustrated that I want to part with some money and they're not ready to take it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. just impatient. <laughs> I want to. I want to see what all the joy is with these these books. Um, they look pretty cool, and there's a very specific reason I want to use them for. The last episode that we we recorded, which I think is going live next week, is with a lady called Sani who um, talks about a sort of stoic, commonplace book, and that's what I want to use it for. But Alas, I'm going to have to wait. With that, Amy, why don't you give us a helicopter view of Mark and Fold? You know, what do you sell? Where can people find you? And maybe you can start to tease us with why you decided to set up your own stationery company. Yeah, good question. Yeah, can I start with that bit first? I feel of course, like that's yeah. Quite interesting. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll revert into some sort of marketing spiel about what the product range is, <laughs> which will be really dull. Yeah, it started, it's funny, I was thinking about this this morning, because it started when I was really young, and I remember in the first house I lived in, so I must have been six or younger, I remember saying to my mum I wanted to make a book, and she showed me how you could get some pieces of paper and staple them and fold them and make a little book, and then I just did a drawing on the cover and wrote things on the pages, and the the joy of being able to create a book just kind of blew me away. And that's never really gone away. And the other memory is getting the toy post office for Christmas, <laughs> which was this little plastic shop front. And it had all these stamps and stickers and little envelopes that you could stack in piles and things like that. And I just got such joy from the kind of order of it and would make my family members come and visit my post office and buy things from me, <laughs> request that I stamp things for them. 
and I think a little bit of that is just still there um and then when I was a teenager I got really really into journaling and I think it got me through a lot of teenage angst and was genuinely a really really strong thing for me I mean in terms of mental health I feel like journaling has helped me so much over the years I later went as an adult have been to therapy and I think actually notebooks are very similar in terms of that sort of no judgment no one's going to read this I can just say exactly what I'm feeling it's a really powerful thing and my mum and dad are both architects and my mum used to go to paper chase on Tottenham Court Road which was just a different thing in those days and she on the first floor they had this kind of premium stuff and they must have imported it from Europe or something it was amazing but you know these were the days where like Filofax was like a status symbol and you know way before anything digital so there was a market for it but she would buy me notebooks from there and they're amazing and they're all made with different papers and things like that and then when i was in my 20s on the one hand still a big stationary fan this was when like blackberries and things were coming in i went to my favorite stationery shop in Tottenham Court Road which I think is not quite the same anymore mm. and um <laughs> the big one you know it and uh they suddenly it seemed like they'd done some market research and slightly panicked and everything was really cheaply made and it all had kind of butterflies and owls on the covers because they were going oh women of a certain age buy stuff so we'll, we'll market everything for them and it was all really crap and just didn't didn't work for me anymore and I like you were saying I wanted to part with my cash I wanted to spend money on a good notebook because I know what a good notebook is like I value it so much and there just wasn't one and at the same time I was working in graphic design agencies I was working some of the best agencies in the world and we were making incredible kind of coffee table books so I was seeing what you could do with making a book Mm -hmm. and then I was seeing the crap that was on sale and thinking hang on there's an opportunity here to make a notebook that's like doing it properly and so I decided that that I wanted to um yeah, make, make notebooks properly and get it right. And cater to, at the time, I didn't actually know if there were people like me. And it's so lovely meeting you guys. So, <laughs> and, and obviously, over the course of eight years with Mark and Fold, which is coming up for our birthday, I've realized there are quite a lot of us around the world. And I just never would have found them. And I don't know about you, but I've always, throughout my life, been slightly teased by family and friends for being the kind of person who likes to color code my pens and have everything very kind of ordered and they all kind of mock me for liking stationery and liking organization so much but then Mark and Fold's been this amazing way to find out that like, we're, we're everywhere. <laughs> we found exactly the same Rob and I often start the podcast with we can't believe that we actually have people who listen to people talking about stationery yeah. and it, it, there are so many people out there we were joking about getting stickers that we could surreptitiously pass to people to say hey from one stationery freak to another hi there nice. <laughs> we, we go out and we see people with lovely stationery and you know you know you know this is somebody who appreciates it yeah I was in a cafe yesterday with a friend and at the other table there was this woman and she had four different notebooks on the go and from one minute to the next she would switch notebooks and I was so fascinated to reach I really wanted to go over and be like can you talk me through this system I really want to understand <laughs> what you're doing here but it would have been completely weird or she would have said oh I'm so glad you are like you must be a stationary yeah. freak like me yeah. um, it, would been, it would have been the latter it, sure was, sure it, wasn't you, it wasn't you was it Helen it was not me but it easily could have been Amy <laughs> but yeah and the, and the range of ages as well like we've got like teenagers who seem to be spending money that I can't believe they have and then we have <laughs> Kind of, we have like men in their 60s who are just obsessed. And quite often I hear this line of like, oh, my partner thinks I'm a bit weird. Um, yeah. So even within couples, it's not a shared 
thing it's quite often like oh everyone thinks I'm a bit weird but I love it um and yeah it's quite nice being like oh maybe we don't need to be ashamed anymore we can all just be together (laughs) sharing our nerdiness (laughs) yeah I mean I'm I'm often on Instagram and and obviously Instagram's very good at popping up stuff that you might like and when I'm on the stationary freaks account particularly just that there's millions and millions of posts every day about stationery, about Hobonichi, bullet journal, you name it. And oh. it's just fascinating to see the way that people are using stationery. And that, that's really what this podcast is about. How do you use it to unleash your potential? And it's great that you talk about bringing us all together and, and sharing in this love rather than anything else. I'm having some building work done on the house. And I said to the builders, please, I'm about to record a podcast. Whatever you do, please do not turn the internet off or have a power cut or anything. <laughs> and they asked, well, what are you recording a podcast about? And then, yeah, cue the mockery. <laughs> <laughs> I know lots of builders. None of them are stationary freaks. And I wonder if that might be sort of a Venn diagram that never overlaps. Oh, you know what? I, dis- I disagree. I think they are. They just don't want to accept it. They've always got a little notebook on the go and one of those little flat pencils. They're always scribbling on diagrams and notes and doing do- doodles. Yeah, I think they're, they're closet stationary freaks. Yeah, maybe. The word stationary means different things to different people as well. Because sometimes I yeah. say stationary and people go, oh, you mean like writing people letters? And I'm like, no. And so... <laughs> yeah, you're, <laughs> like, you're right. It, it can mean so many different things. Well, the listeners need to check out, um, obviously, this show, of course, but the last one that we did where actually we we sort of broadened what we thought stationery was to water bottles and hand cream. I mean, like that that is really pushing the boundaries, wasn't it, Helen? Well, I have to say I've reflected back on that, and I sadly think I might agree with you that hand cream might just be adjacent to stationery rather than actually stationery. I'm not really sure water bottles are in there either, if I'm honest. Yeah, 100%, 100%. So, Amy, I'm intrigued. You you see a, a sort of gap in the market. You see a need that needs filling. And I absolutely share that that same view that there used to be a time when notebooks were like these amazing things. And then they went through this period of cheap commodity items that people were using. So you get this idea. You're inspired. You've got the skills. How did you, I mean, what, what yeah, what's the next steps? How do you set up a business and start making stationery? I mean, surely there's... There's some hurdles to overcome in that journey. There were. I mean, really, really unhelpfully, the first thing I decided to do was have a baby. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I went on maternity leave kind of knowing that this was what I wanted to do. It had been brewing for a number of years. Um, And then my daughter was born in 2014. And I think when she was about four or five months old, when I was just at the point where I kind of needed to use my brain again but didn't have a very well functioning brain um i i let i just seemed, I, I had forgotten about this until i you knew i was coming on here and i thought i'd have to try and remember this i my husband fed her a bottle for the first time ever i ironed a shirt and i went and sat in cafe nero in wood green high road which i don't know if you know it's not particularly glamorous place it's not <laughs> not not very well controlled at all and i sat there and was like right i'm going to do this i'm going to write a business plan and i sat there and started sort of trying to figure out how I was going to do it and at that point it had a different name which um when we started looking at like company's house um and like domain name registration realized we couldn't use the name that I originally came up with and had to sort of hunt for another one which I'm now very very happy about and and much much prefer the name we ended up with um 
and then yeah I set about getting the it, the main thing was always always been about the notebooks like now diaries are quite diaries are our most popular product and lots of people come back year after year and we get written up as like you know one of the best diaries which is amazing and notebooks are harder because so many of them um yeah. it's harder to kind of stand out but it's always been about the notebooks for me that's the thing I really use that's the thing I wanted to kind of improve mm-hmm. upon um so we made the mark one which is still our best ever notebook we probably need to bring it back it's going to come up again in the desert island <laughs> list. Um, <laughs> but um it was just my absolute you know having bought so many notebooks over the years and really thought about what I yeah what my preferences are it's distilled down to every little detail of what I what I wanted but a massive thing was the binding so um I got samples made I mean I was I, I had these kind of connections from previous jobs which which meant I kind of knew where to start but we had samples made in about five or six different bindaries all over the UK Scotland and England and none of them were right and they couldn't do the kind of binding that we wanted, but I'd seen it and I knew it could be done. But unfortunately, nobody in the UK could do it. And I kept getting this line, which was, well, it'd be cheaper if you did it like this. And I was like, no, that's not the point. <laughs> I didn't set out to make it cheaper. I set out to make it better. And I couldn't believe that that, that was the kind of approach of, within that industry, which was, well, it'd be cheaper if you did it like this. And I thought, is that what works with everyone else who rings you up, that cheaper is better? And nobody wanted to kind of try and make it work so we then found the bindery that can do it there are a few in Europe there are maybe three so Austria Switzerland and at the time the Netherlands um and I went over there I got the how did I get there that time anyway I went to the Netherlands and stayed in an Airbnb (laughs) went to this factory and met them and told them what I wanted to do and we got these samples made we did our first batch and I put my own money into getting 500 notebooks made felt like a massive thing like thousands of pounds it felt like such a kind of scary thing and then we did some little handmade exercise books that I sat and handmade every single one I still do a bit of that now and then I decided that we should throw a party because I'd worked for some fantastic branding agencies and they were really good at throwing parties and I thought yeah I want to be that kind of company that that buys everyone a drink (laughs) and you know so we had a party in a bar in Clerkenwell. I invited everybody I knew and people came along and bought notebooks and drank champagne. <laughs> wow. Um, and then we've always had this birthday every year. And the last couple of years we haven't had a party, partly, you know. COVID, yeah. Yeah. But um, I think year after next, it'll be 10 years. So I kind of feel like maybe that's, we should hold on and do a big, <laughs> big party then. That sounds awesome. Champagne and notebooks. Perfect. Yeah. What a great night. Well, absolutely. <laughs> One year they did a cocktail for us called The Stationer. Uh, nice. And I gave them some adjectives. I can't remember what it was now. I gave them some adjectives of what the cocktail needed to be, and they invented it for us. And so that was available for the for one night only. That was very sweet. Oh, that is awesome. That is great, yeah. You know what I love about the that story that you just told there, Amy, about founding it is that you held on to what it was that you had in your mind, you know, the binding. It could have been so easy just to have gone with that cheaper option. Yeah. Um, but sort of holding out to your vision and what it is that you wanted, I think is really what separates, you know, you from a lot of other companies. I mean, me and Helen are huge fans, as you know. And I'm sat here with your everyday notebook in front of me. It Hi. is my regular daily journal. And I do these sort of thermal prints, you know, one of these little thermal um, printers. Oh, yeah. And... 
your paper just holds up to everything that I throw at it. It's an everyday notebook, but people shouldn't, I guess, take that to mean that the quality isn't great because it is absolutely stunning. And um, yeah, I see what you mean. Is is this bounding on your everyday notebook the same as what you wanted on that Mark One? Yeah, so the binding is the thing we're never compromised on. And I, I appreciate yeah. you saying that. But, and and I'm, anyone who knows me personally would say that I'm extremely stubborn to a point of being <laughs> <laughs> a pain in the neck. Um, but once I set my mind to something, I, it takes an awful lot to fudge. Um, and what also it's about why I was doing it. I mean, I, you know, I used to earn a proper salary. And then I was at a point where, yeah, I mean, my daughter was very little. At the beginning, I, I worked on it one day a week. And then I looked after her. On the other days, and I was—I remember pushing the buggy and being on the phone to the factory, and you know, it was—it was a lot of it was. It, looking back, I think I was crazy, and I should have given it a bit more time. I took on an awful lot. Um, it was quite intense, and it took a really long time before I was kind of full time on it. But yeah, so my reason for doing it wasn't really—you know—there were enough other stationary companies that were being run in a very business-minded way, and it was all about cost. You know, all about making more profit, basically. And mine was about making a beautiful notebook. It would be nice to make a bit more money, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's always been about making a beautiful notebook that people appreciate and getting emails or hearing from you guys and people saying every day, this makes me happy. It makes me productive. It makes me want to sit at my desk and yeah. crack on. And for me, that's such a powerful feeling. It's kind of behind everything I've ever done in my life that's gone well has been that feeling of like, yeah, I'm going to get stuck into this. Um, that's kind of what it's all about, really. So we couldn't compromise on the quality because it just wouldn't do the same thing, you know? And Rob was saying how he uses the Mark and Fold notebook every day. I am another one who uses, I have your desk pads, which I am addicted to. Um, and the worst thing about that, Amy, is how rough the work that goes onto that desk pad is. And I'm always really horrified to look at this beautiful markerful desk pad that I have scribbled all over I've got it's all those temporary notes that you write down as you go and there's scribblings out and there's doodlings and all those things that I don't want to go into the bullet journal or whatever it's all on that desk pad and then I rip it off and I throw it away and I have in fact I have six pages because I can't just rip it off and throw it away because there might be something important on there so every now and again I have to have a clean through of what's on the top the fact that it's such really beautiful quality paper and I love the layout because you've got this plain bit, you've got this uh, little uh, graph section and then you've got this sort of bulleted list section. Absolutely brilliant for me, exactly how my brain works. Um, and there I am trashing it on a, well, I would say daily, but <laughs> hourly basis. I, no. I feel horrible. But when you were saying it's too good to use kind of thing and we've joked about it being too good to use um that's how my mark and fold notebook currently stands as in saving it for best kind of thing um but the desk pad i i have shamelessly used to the full no but you're using it in exactly the way it was intended which is why it's got the tear off pages because it's supposed to feel a bit more it's supposed to be exactly that yeah um and I think you want a surface that inspires you. Like when I was doing my MA, which was all about paper, as you might imagine, um, the, I discovered Ken Yahara, who's this Japanese designer who was behind like Muji in the 90s. Oh, yeah. And he, right, he's got a book just called White. Um, and he's got a couple, another book called Designing Design. They're really beautiful, inspiring books. But he talks so much about how like paper's been this surface 
that was invented in China, you know, centuries ago. It's been around for so long. It still has this special kind of power over us. It's sort of glowing and inviting you to make a mark on it. And there's something really powerful about that. That's exactly what Rob and I started the podcast for. It's this potentiality of stationery. What could be done with this blank Mm. notebook? I mean, this sets us off every time. And Rob particularly will wax lyrical about it for hours. What could be done with this brand new notebook? I mean, obviously, we all know as soon as we write in it, you know. Oh, I've ruined it. Yeah. First page. All bets are off. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's exactly it. And I, I used to have this ritual of like at the beginning of the school year, I would get the bus down to this stationery shop. I would spent ages choosing my notebook, choosing new pens, and I'd go home clutching them. And that was actually the best moment kind of before <laughs> I'd before yeah. I'd written in them, because it was like, this might be the book in which yeah. something great happens. Uh, and, 100%. and I love that when people give gifts as well, like we, we've always offered a handwritten gift note service and so we see people's notes to each other and sometimes it's like people egging each other on and encouraging them and saying oh I'm so excited for your new thing like do it in this notebook and that that always just sort of really sends a a shiver down my spine it's so lovely and it's it's exactly that and we did some customer interviews a few years ago and someone put it really well she said once I've got all my stationery sorted I feel like this is going to go well and it's that thing of like if you were climbing a mountain you'd like get all the proper kit and then you'd feel ready and like there's that thing of like you've got it all like off we go you're kind of set to start and I think if you just if you don't have that moment of like oh I'm starting a new notebook then I don't know for me there's a real like impetus in that that starting moment it absolutely yeah, is absolutely definitely. we are you are so among friends amy so among friends. <laughs> i was just thinking that as well i mean helen's still in that collecting of stickers uh process for the <laughs> for your new planner <laughs> there, there probably does come a point helen where you probably are ready and you don't need another three thousand stickers um it's because it's still january i can't start the book till january <laughs> but it was interesting when you said that because you're talking about emotions and you know the reassurance that it it gives you to feel ready and to feel that you're going to be able to kind of cope with stuff because you have this little and also you use the word system which again comes up so much and we often talk about that like build your own system and that's why we always try not to be too prescriptive so like you're talking about the planner pad and there's a tick list but we don't write at the top of it like things to do today because it's like well it's up to you what that tick list is for and so it's always about making it as kind of neutral and flexible as possible and then you build a little system yeah that works for you rather than I, that was another pet hate that same era where all the notebooks had butterflies and owls on there was a lot of kind of hey this is your such and such journal and you have to write this on this page and this on that page and I was like a bit patronizing I kind of have a brain I can do my own <laughs> I've put more thought into this than you could possibly imagine is the answer to that isn't it really because well yeah exactly it's like with bullet journaling and the system of notes I already had my own little system I've been meaning to do a blog post about this for years and never done it but I had a little system of symbols that I would always use and then when the bullet journal thing came out I was like oh this guy's getting really famous off his little notation thing I should have written mine down somewhere yeah I know exactly. we've all done things like that Amy where you look and you go well if I'd known it was going to be good I'd have shared it you know Yes, yes, exactly. And that is not me. I, I wouldn't, I don't envy his, you know, he, I see the stuff they send out and that's very much his thing. And he's a sort of spokesperson and a, uh, I don't know how he would describe himself, but that, that's not at all me. So it's good that he's doing it. And uh, Yes, absolutely. I'll stick to, I'll stick to my thing. 
<laughs> I was very grateful for finding that whole bullet journal system because it gave me something that I could, as I usually do, take from something and then not quite follow the rules because, you know, I, I like everyone will know rules are, are more guidelines for me and I do like to have them just so I know where I'm changing them. Amy, how do you come up with new products and how many do you do you have like a goal of trying to launch I guess a certain number of products each year or you know how do you come up with the ideas I mean to be honest if it was this is going to sound really boring but if it was up to me I would almost just stick with a couple like you know a very very small number of products and just stick with it I we get caught in feeling that like you know fashion brands and other brands are constantly new i was looking at my emails this week and every other email start has in the subject line new something yeah and it's like well if you got it right the first time do you need to keep reinventing it and i i sort of think about you know there'll be a place that does the perfect white shirt or the perfect you know simple black shoe or something like that and then you go back the next season and you're really annoyed because they've added some quirky detail and you're kind of like no you got it right before you should have just stuck with it and I kind of prefer that idea and again it's maybe not commercial but it feels to me like the way things should be I've often taken inspiration from Mark do you know the clothing brand Margaret Howell very high-end kind of tailoring but it's just like it's dead simple and you just get it right so she'll just be like a navy jumper and then she'll maybe do it in grey but it's mm. like the best jumper and it doesn't need to be in other colours because it's just very understated, very simple. So essentially we have a notebook uh, which has different covers and things like that. And over the years we were pushed to add lined paper and dot grid paper. Originally it was just plain, which was me being maybe a bit too purist. Um, and then the diary has been amazing. The diary was a bit of a punt and it's just been so popular. But again, we don't change the layout every year. It's the same diary every year. And we one year we added a little section of dotted pages at the back for notes because of quite a lot of people were requesting that. But we get, we get suggestions all the time. Everybody you speak to says, do you know what you need to do to that diary? You need to add this in or you need to swap this or you need to do that. And every person does a different thing. So it's, <laughs> you, you couldn't possibly be swayed by people's suggestions because everyone wants something totally different. And that again, that's the thing about you've got your own system. It, like It's never going to be right for everyone. You People say to me, oh, you really need to do A4. And it's like, well, no, you want an A4 diary. And there are plenty of them in the world. But unfortunately, at the moment, we don't do one. <laughs> Yeah, and then things like the planner pads, the, those things you were talking about, Helen, are things I do. So, like, I wanted the gridded paper for kind of sketching or doing sums, and then I always want a tick list. So I realised there were these modes of scribbling that I was doing, and I thought, if I had the perfect little pad, this is what it would have on it. So I kind of designed it for myself, and then it went on from there. And we actually had a focus group when we did those. So we did a load of different layouts. And at the time, we had a very small group of customers who were super niche because we were just starting. Yeah. We were about a year in. And I said, does anyone want to be a tester? And they were all like, yes. <laughs> so I, I posted them out, little sample sheets with A, B, C and D. And then they had to email their feedback about what they liked about all the different ones. And that led to the planner pad design. So I can't remember what the other options were, but that was kind of, that came out of that process. So we, we add things slowly we definitely don't set targets for each year um but and then there's the whole thing about colors so like each year we'll do a different color of the diary and things like that and that's pretty pretty instinctive that process for me we make in quite small batches which is partly just because we're a very small business and we're not 
I, I don't want to, I'm fully liable for the business. So I don't want to invest in huge quantities and then have the, the anxiety about having to shift them. So I prefer to do quite small batches. And then we've kind of made, made a virtue of that by saying, well, if we're only going to do a hundred, then we'll do them in a specific color and sometimes yeah. we'll number them and things like that. We kind of make the small batch thing a really nice feature. But yeah, there's no plan to really extend. If anything, at this point, I would go backwards and cut the product range back down again and make it really like we do a couple of things, but we do them better than anybody else. Yeah. Um, and even things like pens and pencils, we never intended to do that. But at one point, there was an opportunity to have a shop, a physical shop in London. We had that for about a year. And once we had a shop, it really felt like we needed little pots of pens and things. Yeah. <laughs> for some reason. And it worked really well. And then once we had them, we were kind of like, oh, we'll put them online. And then we realized we could do gift sets. Or when someone's buying a notebook, they kind of want something else to go with it. And so we've ended up mm. with that. But part of me wants to be quite severe and go back and say, no, we do one notebook, we do one diary. I have to be honest, Amy, the joy of opening that Markerfold gift set that I got of yours way, way, way back was is still one of the highlights of my stationary life. I that you, you can do the gift sets. It's just so beautiful. That is and so it, nice to hear. It's so lovely that I would be horrified to think that you wouldn't do that. But then, you know, I'm just one person saying, hey, you should do this thing with your business. So yes, yeah. yes. We'd, we'd probably keep the gift boxes because the gift boxes are special to me. And I've had so many people saying, oh, I got this on Christmas morning and it was just joy. I do love the gift boxes. It's more the kind of, yeah, selling just pencils on their own and things like that. But part of me thinks that we should sort of stick to the stuff that's that's ours, you know? I get that completely. And I can, yeah, I can see the point. Constant debate in the team. <laughs> I can imagine. So how many people are you up to now, if you don't mind saying? There are three of us. Oh, wow, well, excellent. The fulfillment, the fulfillment uh, team is separate now. So as of about 18 months ago, before that, everything was in London in one place because I wanted to be involved in how we were wrapping things and how we were sending things and everything. And I never thought I'd be able to trust anybody else to do it. <laughs> and then um, and then I was introduced to Jen, who is one of us, and you know what that means. Um, <laughs> and she um, she's amazing, and she has her own business, and she wraps things beautifully and sends things out. And she, she's, she lives in the middle of nowhere, I hope she won't mind me saying that. And she has this amazing kind of, um, I think it was like a hay barn on her on her land. They live in a farm and she's converted it into a sort of temperature controlled, humidity controlled, massive space. And she just has like a couple of companies that she does it for that are all people she knows. Yeah, we moved there and we made countless videos of how to wrap everything. Mm. And I went down there and annoyed them all by like <laughs> looking over their shoulders and things. And, and, and I, I get stuff sent to me quite often so you know we're constantly kind of making sure everything but but she loves it and she says things to me like oh I spent a bit too much time because I just love wrapping things so much and that just sort of warms oh, my God. heart because she yeah she's she's doing it because she loves it and she loves doing the handwritten notes and all of oh. those kind of details that we designed but we, you know we designed a system and it's been going for eight years now so there came a point where it, it was quite it was quite hard actually to let go of that but um realistically I had to step away from the actual wrapping of every uh wrapping I mean I, I wasn't wrapping them all but I was overseeing um yeah. when it was in London so yeah so we've got Jen and her team uh and then we have another Helen uh in fact and I in London and um yeah that's all 
we're very small team. People often think we're much, much bigger. And they always think we're men called Mark. And I don't know how, what their logic is. <laughs> <laughs> they always email going, people say, oh, hi, Mark. Really love your work, blah, blah, blah. And then they try and sound like they really know about what we do. And it's like, well, you haven't even looked at uh, my name. So obviously yeah. not. That's it. Well, didn't, doesn't the name Mark and Fold come from part of the uh, sort of, you know, the actual manufacturing process? It's kind of the two, I mean, as I say, it, in, in total transparency, we started off with this other name, which yeah. was, dare I say it, uh, it was going to, I wanted to call it Papillon Press, which makes lots of sense ah. to me, but perhaps not other people because I speak French, but Papillon means butterfly. And I always thought that the, you know, the spine of the book is like the butterfly's body. And if it's bound right, then the pages will sort of flutter. Oh, over. Nice. That's um, nice. But then as soon as I Googled it, I realized other people had had the same idea. And we actually spent an evening. I mean, there's a list somewhere of lots of really bad ideas. All <laughs> paper. And it ended up being, it's, it's the verb to mark and to fold. And those are the things you do to paper to sort of turn it into stationery. And I think it goes back to that memory from when I was about five with my mum of folding some paper, stapling it, and then it becomes a book. Yeah, or like yeah. with an envelope, you, you put the paper, you fold the paper, put it in an envelope, you fold the flap over and it becomes a letter. And so they're kind of, it's those actions. But yeah, I, I, I like the thought of the machine going and mark and fold and mark and fold. Yeah. And there's a kind of, there's a little tune that we need to create at some point there. Um, <laughs> but there was, there was something, I didn't mean to make it sound like a man's name. But there is a gender thing that's kind of interesting because I feel like the market was so aimed at a female, a cliche female audience. And as a female who doesn't like floral patterns. Yeah, I'm with you. Absolutely with you, Amy. Yeah. So I never wanted it to be masculine. I always said it was gender neutral. But then we were stocked in like one of our earliest stockists was Oliver Spencer, which is like a really high end, lovely menswear um, shop. And it felt a bit. And then we were in Harvey Nichols men's department as well um and so it became very it was like stationary for men which is and we do have a lot of male customers which i love but there's nothing masculine about it it's just not decorative um so then the mark thing made people think on some level it made some people think we were men and i remember thinking at the time I, i was a woman on her own on maternity leave scrambling around with a baby and the website looked very slick but the reality was that i was sort of you know, I was like breastfeeding, I was on the phone to the factory, I was like trying to get the website sorted out. And at the time, I honestly, unfortunately, I think this is probably still true, that like, if I'd said, oh, I'm a mum and I'm working from home whilst I'm juggling a baby, people wouldn't have seen the brand in the same way. And I think that by sort of making it quite ambiguous, it sort Mm. of helped. And then we were in like Wallpaper magazine, and it was like, oh, it's this brand, it looks really established and stuff like that. So I felt like I didn't want to share that story of what was really my actual circumstances because I thought people would sort of discredit it a bit of like, oh, you're just doing it from your living room. But it's been a nice way to show what you can do from your living room. Yeah, Um, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. In Fortnum and Mason, they had us in the stationary room and then they moved us to the men's gift room as well. So we're in there with like leather wallets and things. Um, and it is actually quite. I always think it's a really good gift for a bloke that you don't yeah, know who to buy is. for. Yeah, it's so practical. And they could be a stationary nut, but they could also just be someone who's really tricky to buy for, and you don't want to buy them socks. 
so you're like actually a really nice note but it's not like I'm buying you like a you know a notebook from a train station this is like a nice one yeah it qualifies as a gift but it's also practical I always just thought it's a great like last minute oh what am I going to get this (laughs) (laughs) the sustainability and the transparency in the production how that sounds like it's really important to you as a founder sustainability is massively important we've never used any plastic in fact no at the very beginning we did cards and the brass page markers used to come in a little cellophane um card wallet and that was because somebody i think somebody gave us like a thousand of them at some point and so we worked our way through them apart from that we've never used any plastic and i'm again extremely stubborn and once i decide on something i kind of dig my heels in so even we don't use plastic parcel tape we've always used paper parcel tape we've had customer in india during the monsoon who sent me a photo of this soggy mush of notebooks and they were like you need to send it in plastic and i think that time we sent the replacement in a plastic um like wallet thing because it was kind of extenuating circumstances and we had someone in russia whose notebook had been left in a pile of snow so um occasionally but but basically we've never used plastic um and you know the small batch thing is also about waste so I go to a lot of stationery. Oh, you guys need to come, actually. There's the stationery show, which is in, it's like a massive trade fair in London once a year. Um, I've seen it, actually. We, we, we've, we've quietly, no, no, we've quietly, quietly sat there and gone, maybe we'll see if we can get there next year. Yeah, yeah we do a live podcast from there. Yeah, oh, cool. yeah, you should, you should, you should get in touch with them. I'll put you in touch with them because they're always trying to get us to show. We, we don't do trade shows. Again, that was something I decided earlier on, is that we just do direct customers, and then we write, if we want to be in a socket, we write to them and, and make it happen. But we've never done trade shows. There was a guy there from a big diary company that I won't name. And I was just being a kind of interested, um, you know, visitor and asking lots of questions. And he told me that they make something like two million diary inners each year. And then they get, they do like loads of different cover designs. And there's a point where they discount them. And after that, if they haven't sold, they get pulped. And he told mm. me that hundreds of thousands every year get pulped. Oh, wow. So not only when you buy one, not only are you partly paying for those copies that they can't sell, but also from a sustainability point of view, you're contributing to, you know, the, the, and it's, it's because they've gone, right, well, we'll make more money if we can sell this many. So we'll do a bigger batch. But it's always a gamble, and they never know exactly how many they're going to sell and with a dated diary you know if you don't sell them then they're not much good to anybody but the fact that they were comfortable that the industry at that scale is comfortable with that level of waste just made me really sick and we've always tried to kind of get it right on the nose so we have what some years where we've sold out a bit early of all of them and we've had other years where we've got a few left and we always try and then find a home for them and minimize the waste but like the small batch thing makes a massive difference there because we don't have stock sitting around we sell the whole batch and then we make another one yeah it's all hugely important and paper i mean there's an awful lot of paper in the world that's not made in the right way we always use the right kind of suppliers it's all forest um what's it called forest stewardship council certified or fsc and again you know i've done a lot of research over the years about paper there's this whole thing about recycled paper and there's a misconception that recycled paper is more sustainable but apparently the amount of energy and water involved in like washing it and processing it for recycling means it sounds good but isn't always actually better so there's all these kind of interesting stuff 
And then we've used bamboo paper, which grows incredibly quickly in sustainable forests in Scotland. And they don't cut the whole tree down. They literally harvest it like you cut your grass. So they cut the tops of the trees off to make pulp. And then the bamboo just keeps growing. So for me, that's a lovely, sustainable, this yeah. image again from when we were children of like, oh, they're cutting down trees to make paper. It's like, well, not necessarily. Um, so I think it's kind of interesting to be well informed about that stuff and, um, you know, keep trying to do the right things with it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That sounds great. Helen, did you have any more questions before we jump into desert island stationery? I just have one tiny little question, which is given that you have built the perfect notebook, Amy, you said, um, and how do you manage to get, allow people to buy it? Because I think when you were saying it's your perfect ever notebook, I just, how do you let other people have it? I just don't know how you let them go. I've got a stack here that aren't even perfect and I don't give them away and I really should. Well, I mean, the first time we, we got that first batch delivered from the factory, I didn't know what 500 notebooks would look like. But this pallet arrived and it was a rainy day <laughs> and it was raining and I had to get them inside really quickly before they got wet. I looked at them and I just felt completely overwhelmed. I was like, how on earth am I going to get rid of these? And it, it did take quite a while to sell that first batch. Um, they go quicker now, but it was, um, yeah, so that, that definitely helped. Yeah, I mean, there's enough of them go round and I like that other people appreciate them to be honest if nobody else liked them I'm not sure it would make any difference to me I would still love them as much so I love yeah. that other people yeah. like them but it's never really been about that it's like I know for me that they're, they're right but it's interesting you say it because when we've done limited batches I've sometimes had this thing of oh it's the last one I don't want to give that one away and my <laughs> my team will be like isn't this the point though to sell them and I'll be like, yeah, but I kind of want to keep one. So we actually have, you know, um, we have one from every batch that we've ever done, which is in my attic, taking up quite a lot of space. And when we numbered them, we would always keep number one of the batch. So at some point, we can do a little exhibition of all all the number ones. So I've never <laughs> let them go. I love that. Nice. That is cool. That is cool. And uh, I guess you, you know, do you buy your own products or do you just snaffle a copy out of the palette while it's been unpacked? <laughs> well, now that the stock is held outside London, I have to order stuff, oh, which yeah. I find really weird, but I don't have to pay because, you know, so I, I just go and, into the back end and place an order without paying for it, which is quite nice. I still have to pay the shipping though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I have quite a lot in the house. So, um, but yeah, it's quite strange, actually. It's weird for photography and stuff like that. When I think, oh, I just want a planner pad. Oh, hang on. I, I don't seem to have a fresh one to hand. Yeah. That's quite odd. I used to have this beautiful room with all the things, but there came a point where the, paying London rent for store boxes was a little bit crazy. I can imagine. I can imagine. Okay. I have absolutely, thoroughly, totally enjoyed that conversation, Amy. Okay. Thank you. It's, um, you know, um, I think our very first handful of episodes we didn't mention Mark and Fold um, <laughs> because we didn't know about you at the time and then uh, from that point on it became a, a little bit of a I guess a love affair with your products that you create and um, they are fabulous and before we jump into uh, Desert Island Stationery um, markandfold.com is that the correct uh -huh. address there Amy yeah. and 
where can they where else can people find you do you do much on sort of social media behind the scenes we're on social media um it's a good way to kind of know what we're up to i still i still run it myself so there's a lot of like behind the scenes and you can kind of you'll know what's going on a little bit and our newsletter as well we are stocked in a few places but we're quite selective about where we're stocked so we're stocked in another country who we've mentioned we're also in selfridges and then we've done bespoke ranges for a couple of companies like Connolly and Bond Street. Um, so there's a few places around where you can find us. But we really like dealing with people directly because then we build up a relationship with them. Um, and it's really all about the website, to be honest. That's it. Sounds good. So, Amy, you're on a desert island. You've been stranded there and you're allowed five items of stationery. Now, every guest flexes the rules, so feel free to do that. But fundamentally... What are your five things you're going to take with you? I feel like they're really silly. Um, also, I miss. I was thinking about this. I used to live on a tropical island very briefly when I was younger, and I was thinking everything would get really kind of wet and crumply. It's not a very paper-friendly environment. But I assume <laughs> we're ignoring that. Um, my first thing that came up was actually folder dividers. Uh, this is really goofy, but like ring binder folder dividers. I don't know why I want them without the ring binder, but I I have a set of them that I bought over 20 years ago and I've still got them. I think they were from Muji in its heyday. Um, and they're quite similar colors to the notebooks we did a few years ago. So it's like a mustardy one and a gray and a red, like a rusty red. And they've just got these details, like it's thick card. Um, they've got some extra holes that are just very Japanese and then all the corners are rounded. So like the little tab that sticks out has no sharp corners to get like dogged. And it was one of these things where it's like, it's such an ordinary stationary thing. And you've seen rubbish ones so many times that seeing it done well was really inspiring. And I have had them all this time and I just get a joy of putting dividers in a folder and sorting things. I don't know if you can yeah oh absolutely yeah i was doing that earlier before the podcast so yeah absolutely um and my second one is equally nerdy but a like avery labels uh which i um partly from mark and fold like we used to post things to people and then on all the products we would put a little batch sticker so i've ended up with this amazing collection of all different sizes and again, it's a similar thing where I just have a thing for labelling everything. So in our home office, there's all these boxes and folders. And I've written, or in the studio, I used to actually design nice little printed labels and I would just label everything. Um, and again, it's that same thing of putting things in neat little boxes and feeling really organised. <laughs> that's that's a, I think, I think that would be helpful. When me and Helen first came up with the sort of Desert Island uh, podcast, obviously it's not a brand new idea at all, Um we would have actually benefited, Helen, wouldn't we, of having some labels so we could label each other's items so that you couldn't steal mine and I couldn't steal well, yours. Well, I did label, label mine, Rob, if you remember <laughs> rightly, and you took the lid off it and completely ignored all the dire warnings that I scribbled across the top. That's true. That's <laughs> true. It was stationary anyway. Yeah. I did think, one. like, they're all, like, filing things. And I was thinking, if you're on a desert island, you won't have loads of paper <laughs> to file anyway. But maybe you could, like, <laughs> collect shells and, you know, label the boxes or something. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to ask you actually what you plan on labelling and dividing, but I didn't know whether that was coming in the rest of the list. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't 
thing I've ever grown out of. My son's four, and he's at that stage of like sorting things into colours and shapes. Mm. And I don't know if I've ever grown out of that. The sort of joy of just like sorting things into boxes. It makes me feel there's some sort of order and calm. Yeah. Okay, so um, we've got two there. We've got um, folder dividers and uh, labelling uh, system. <laughs> so my third one is a, is a Mark and Fold Mark One notebook, which is the first notebook we ever did. Still, really, is the best one. I have people writing to me saying, when are you going to bring that back? Because it was the best one. Yeah. Um, it's not that different to the everyday, but we just, we really felt we had to try and make something more affordable, which is this constant struggle. Um, anyway, I'm not going to start getting into that again, because that's boring. Um, I feel like your podcast normally really jovial and like jokey, and I'm being really serious. Um, <laughs> so the Mark 1, uh, should I describe it? Uh, it? It's just incredible paper. It's our special binding and we used to do an end page at the front and back which was a color so each time we did a batch it was a different color so you could kind of you knew which batch it had come from or if you had them for like different projects and things like that and it had loads of pages it was like 160 pages or something so it would last quite a long time um and i would write in that all the time and it, it would last me like four months or something which is kind of i'm a really really prolific note taker like in an hour meeting i'll take like six pages of notes or something is that wow. weird like, I no, no, no. everything down i don't I really read it back it depends on the meeting doesn't it really yes yes definitely sometimes i write nothing it depends. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then yeah and then my last things have to be writing when i first did this i just wrote i think i wrote down about five different writing tools to start with and realized that I quite like to have lots of different ones and thought I can't cheat can I cheat and say a pencil case full of things yeah you absolutely can because oh, cool. because everybody's broken the rules in some way or other and and Rob and I learn new ways to break the rules every time we talk to a guest which is great nice. oh well I was being really really hard on myself because I thought about a sharpie uh my lamy fountain pen uh my uniball like really standard pen that I've used I think since I was at school and I use oh, the light gray, you know the light oh not the same pen obviously I just keep buying the same ones but like you know the the light gray one that's got like a slightly fatter nib uh, and I use that every day and I, I buy boxes of them and then they disappear and then I accuse yeah. people in my house of stealing them and I go through their bags and my husband says no, no I got this from my office I was like no I bought these <laughs> <laughs> uh, so and then um and then a really sharp pencil again i don't know do you get a sharpener or can you have some sort of magic pencil that keeps it always well i wasn't smart enough to take a sharpener for my pencil so i uh, did uh, rob rob thought about that but yeah no. yeah equally we had a we had a guest called urban on who's uh, collects fountain pens and runs this amazing sort of fountain pen collaboration sort of yeah. uh, sort of community really and he suggested that obviously you'll work out how to sharpen some sort of rock or a bit of wood. Therefore, you've got a pencil sharpener. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's up to you. Yeah, I, I went point. for a pencil case. Uh, pen, sorry, a pencil sharpener. Helen didn't. I didn't. I regret it. No, that's a good point. Or I might have like a retractable pencil because my mum and dad are architects. When I was a kid, they had mm. them around the house. They're sort of retractable oh. ones. And similar story. I remember my dad once accusing me of having them, and I was like, no, I haven't got any. And he came up to my room and opened my drawer 
and went through this, <laughs> like, I had like this huge drawer full of pens and pencils and I think he found about 10 and he was like, these are 20 pounds each. And this was like, decades <laughs> ago. And I was hoarding them, but those are lovely because obviously it's always sharp, which is very satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. And then you could do some sketching as well. I think on the desert island, it would be nice to maybe do a bit of sketching. Uh, definitely, yeah. definitely. All right. I think was that all five? I think there was there was five and a and a, and a big list of amazing pens, which is exactly what we like. So you <laughs> yeah, know, our, list, our listeners particularly like, um, I think, hearing about the actual notebooks and the actual pens that people use. It's a yeah. it's a real interest to a lot of people, which is great. So that sounds like you'll be well equipped on your island. Sounds good. I think so. I think so. It will be running out. I think they all have to be kind of magic bottomless versions of the yeah. thing don't they i think we yeah we all took those kind of things amy bottom <laughs> yeah, i think i think i took a, a hundred pack of pencils didn't i with me so <laughs> <You did>? yeah <laughs> you're oh, so nerdy <laughs> but that has been uh, exception it's one of our longer podcasts but wow we could probably spend all day talking about um stationery we've clearly found a fellow stationery freak yeah. um, as like all of our guests are and um amy i was thinking maybe and, and helen i've not run this past you pre-show but who would you amy like to hear on this podcast maybe you could recommend another guest that we should reach out to to interview oh yeah definitely uh so i'm to think of someone right now or should i let you know you can let us know. I'll include it in the show notes and the newsletter that goes out with this. Uh, but if uh, yeah, someone, yeah. yeah, I'll have a think. I, um, I'm i happy to do an offer as well. You talked about uh, doing some kind of offer, but I haven't really thought about what, what we should do, unless you have any suggestions, what you think might be a nice thing we could do. That's a good question. Um, maybe what we do is we include that in the show notes. I mean, it could be a promo code. It could be, we could do a competition maybe. Yeah, let's give that some thought afterwards and we can include that in the show notes if you want, Amy. That's really, thank you. Very really generous. Nice to do. Yes, thank you. Oh, it's a pleasure. Um, I was also supposed to plug the fact that we've just set up a sister company and I forgot to weave that in, but never mind. <laughs> well, you can do that right now, Amy. Go for it. <laughs> Hey, Robbie's a whiz with the uh, whole editing thing, so yeah. yeah this will oh, appear no. at the beginning. <laughs> You're going to have hours of footage to, um, to, to, to set up. Yeah, so uh, Michael Fogg's been going for eight years, and then um, just this year, actually, I took a bit of time out from Mark and Fogg, uh, which was hopefully not too perceptible. Um, but I took a bit of time to go off and, and work on another project for a while, which was quite interesting because when you run your own business, it can get a bit, you know, it's a lot of work. It's quite intense and it takes over your whole life and your whole mind. So it was quite refreshing to have a bit of time away. I'm now back fully and very excited to be back. Um, and we're also setting up a sister company, which is called Ames & Co., which is me kind of going back a little bit to what I used to do. Um, and we're offering kind of brand and communications consultancy so we're sort of helping other people who want to set up a brand like mark and fold or maybe already have one who want a bit of help with their kind of communications and and um how they're presenting their brand and that kind of thing so that's very exciting that just started this month and we've got a first couple of clients we just started working with Wow. How very cool. That's very awesome. Yeah. Fact, uh, Helen and I, not to, you know, ask for a plug or a discount or anything, but we we, need, we definitely need to do something with the brand. I mean, all the branding is, is, is basically me and Canva with a few colors and some uh, and some rubbish uh, creativity. And we have often talked about how we would uh, do the branding. So I think I think that's the sort of stationery and branding, you know, feels so closely to each yeah. other. I know they're not, but they just feel like they should go. You know, you come up with a brand and what can you put it on? You can put it on yeah. stationery and business cards and 
you know, exactly. merchandise. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I'd love to help you guys with that. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it's very exciting. And you know, we've done a lot of design over the years. We've sometimes, you know, people have often approached us and gone, oh, I've got an idea for a notebook and it's got this layout. Can you mm. make it for me? Although often they want us to just sort of pay for it all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Like, this, they kind of go, I've got this great idea. You're going to make loads of money off it. I'll give you the idea for free and you can make the notebook. So we're kind of like, that's lovely, yeah. but no. That's that happens how it a lot. Works. <laughs> uh, but occasionally we've had people who, who were willing to kind of cover the cost and then, you know, they would sell. Like we did a blending notebook for an essential oils company and it was like, it was like a workbook where you fill out, like you write your recipes and then you write your observations about how it went and how you tweak it next time and stuff like that. So uh, oh, cool. we've done bits of commissioned design over the years and this is us kind of pushing a little bit more into that, that direction. That's awesome. Well, I wish you all the best with, uh, what's it called, Ames & Co.? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for letting yeah. me so Leslie plug it. That's no, no problem at all. So we'll, <laughs> we'll include as much as we can. I, I go through and I edit these and I include as much as I can in the show notes. So I'll be sure to, Amy, you send me that stuff over. We can put it into the show notes. And our lovely listeners can uh, can obviously click on those links and find those things that we reference. Uh, Helen, this has been the longest podcast I think we've ever recorded, hasn't it? This has been the longest one we've ever recorded. We did do some chunkier ones at the very early days. Yeah. Um, well, we just talk too much, really. But that but was awesome. And Amy talking, which is way more interesting, right? 100%. So, Amy, thank you again for being on the podcast. And Mark and Fold, go check them out. I will revert back now to my everyday notebook. And as you heard, Helen's got a desk pad, which she's probably scribbled a few notes from this session on. I have, absolutely. 100%. Go and check out Mark and Fold. They've got some wonderful, wonderful products. Thank you, Amy, for being on the show. It's a real pleasure. Thank you so much, both of you. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for letting me ramble on and reminisce. You're very welcome. With that, I just want to say thank you. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram. Stationary Freaks UK is the handle. If you go to stationaryfreaks.com, you can sign up for the newsletter where we often have show notes and accompanying graphics and all sorts and cool links from across the internet. I'm going to say goodbye from me, Rob, and of course... Oh, and goodbye from me too, yes. And goodbye, Amy. Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.